Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina. Joining me once again, uh, former longtime football coach in the state of New Hampshire, Mike Lockman. Mike, thanks a lot for joining me again. Thank you, Joe. Throwing a little bit of a curveball here. We're coming at you a day late. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you're not too upset. You didn't miss out on anything, uh, or, or we screwed up your routine too much for Wednesday morning. But we, we are. We haven't been lynched yet. No, so. we're. <laughs> um, we will once again be recording the show at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua this fall. Um, you can, as always, you can send us your questions and feedback by sending an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. Uh, and except for this week, obviously, you'll be listening on Thursday. Uh, normally, we'll be on it on Wednesdays at nh-highschoolsports.com. So now that we do, I, I feel like we're off by a day. I fe kept thinking it was Tuesday. Yeah, most of we're the day. off now, right? Yeah, it's going to be a little <laughs> weird. Yeah. Um, we're a day closer to games, too, and a day further away from last week. But yeah. we'll try to remember that all the way back to last, uh, last Friday and Saturday and what, what we saw in the first week of uh, New Hampshire high school football. Um, you know, I think it was a combination of some of the teams that we thought were going to be pretty good looked pretty good. Yep. Uh, some of the teams that we thought were not going to look so good didn't look so good. And then there were teams that completely surprised us. Yeah. Um, some in a good way and some in a not quite so good way. Um, and there was some lopsidedness. Some, yes. That maybe we didn't expect. Yeah, yeah. And um, I also think there were some star players that like were really excelled. I mean, in terms of just the versatility of the stats. I mean, we'll get into some of that. But there were, there were some guys that was like, Punt return for a touchdown, kick return for a touchdown, two interceptions, and, you know, I mean, just like, yeah, oh, my God, yeah. you know, some I people really excelled. I also feel like, and this goes back to the Jamboree, too, that um, injuries, there's just been so many more injuries, um, and a lot of them feel like the kind of, or it sounds like they're the season-ending type, not to, you know, concussion or something like that. And I'm wondering, I, and I, I'm going to, when I see trainers this week, so if you're, you're a trainer and you're listening, be prepared. I'm going to bother you. Um, <laughs> you know, does, does the shorter, you know, we, we, they cut back on the, the practice time, amount of practice time everyone had, you know, for hydration and, and those kind of safety purposes, but also to lessen the amount of hitting. Is that having an effect? Like, is the, you know, maybe, maybe you cut back on potential for concussions in the preseason, is it affecting kids in another way, whereas they're not prepared to take contact and you're having a lot? I mean, I feel like we've had at least three or four kids that have blown out an E already, yeah. um, you know, which is horrible, which ter you know, really unfortunate. Um, so, yeah, that's another question yeah. I, I, I've got, but I don't I don't know if I can answer that. Or it, if we're going to get an answer. For yeah, that it's one. not my area of expertise. I'm not sure. How you, you, you don't you're not up on uh, <laughs> up on ligaments and, and all no, that. No, no, I'm not. But um there is an argument to be made there, you know. I mean, I understand the purpose of, of uh, and we've talked about this before, of, of the diminished practice time um, in August. But the flip side of it is a lot of that time by coaches was spent on building up very gradually and very purposefully um, the team to be able to go full speed and hit and be able to do that in a, in a safe and effective manner. So I'm not sure whether that's what we're seeing or not, but certainly I know that just a few short years ago when I was coaching, and uh, I mean, you used that time, you used every minute of that time to, to safely and effectively ramp up to what, you know, game speed hitting was gonna be. 
you know, I, I'll bring up, um, we both Saturday ended up going to the Pinkerton-Goffstown game uh, in Goffstown, um, which was, you know, turned out to be a fantastic yeah, game. game of the week type stuff. Um, but, you know, one thing that was said uh, by Brian O'Reilly, the head coach at Pinkerton afterwards, um, you know, he told us, you know, the media that was there, you know, right out uh, the shortened preseason uh, came back to bite them, you know, that they are out of shape. They've got injuries everywhere. He said, at one point in the third quarter, we're down by a score. I turned around on the fourth down play. I didn't have any of my starting running backs in the game. Yeah, I saw that quote in, and in it, your yeah. article. And it, um, you know, so it definitely had an effect. Um, you know, I know the same thing happened to Goffstown. You know, they had a couple of starters go down early in that game uh, on the defensive side. And I feel like it just it, it just seems like it's maybe becoming more of a thing than it usually is. Um, yeah, and if that's the case, I mean, there, there really has to be some consideration because the point of the shortened preseason was to protect the players physically. Um, and so, you know, I, again, I don't know if there's any way to prove it out or not prove it out, but if there is, you really, they really ought to look at it because, yeah. you know, again, um, there's other ways to, to um, reduce the risk without reducing the practice time. I mean, you could still put limitations on hitting and and you know physical exertion and things like that but still maintain some of the fundamental stuff that coaches are doing so yeah. i don't know it's it's uh it's always going to be a controversy i guess and something for people with a better knowledge of the situation than us probably yes. to make yeah. decisions um so anyways let's let's start with that that game um you know gosstown wins 35 29 in what was just a, a game i think that had so many twists and turns you start out the game with Pinkerton losing fumbles on both of their opening drives. Um, Goffstown, very, very, I just, yeah. yeah, one of them, I think, just the kid came around and just dropped, just dropped the ball. Yeah, um, you know, Goffstown can't capitalize. They miss a field goal on the first drive. Uh, I think they ended up having to punt on the second drive. Um, I think it was a, it was a scoreless game at the end of the first quarter, and then Pinkerton goes up seven nothing, goes up fourteen nothing. Uh, Goffstown finally gets some momentum uh, right at the end of the half. They score, miss the extra point, so it's 14-6. And I look up at the clock, and I think there was 135 left on the clock, and I, I kind of just said to myself, "There's Pinkerton's going to score. There's enough time left on this clock that they're going to go. It just had that feeling like they were going to yeah. go right down the field and score, and that's exactly what they did. It was 21-6 going into halftime. I don't know how you felt about it, but I kind of felt like, you know, Goffstown might be in for a long day because they hadn't really done much offensively until that last drive. No, I mean, it, it's hard to say. Uh, you know, you have that, that other sense, though, as having, having, especially having coached for a while. And I remember, we, you know, the Goffstown uh, field setup is such that you could, you could be right there behind the team, you know, if you so choose to stand by the rope. Right. And um, I was back there kind of with you, and I was there with my family. And, uh, and uh, you know, after the the Pinkertons uh, score, I think to go up twenty one six, you know, one of the assistant coaches, a bunch of guys came over the sidelines. And he was like, "Hey, everybody, calm I, down. Yep, I remember, We're all right. I We're remember be exactly. All right. Yeah, um, I think it. I think it was. Uh, let's give him credit for it. I think it was Nick Hammond. It who, was, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah who um, the so there's a there. there's a whole half of football left. Yeah, and just you know, and I and I think that was the same message that you said that Huff gave to the crew at halftime. Yeah. Like, hey, we got to clean some things up and we're not out of it we're good enough players or we can be back in it and um it ended up being a great game yeah I mean, what a comeback against a, a very good team a traditionally a very good team yeah um 
Yeah, it was good. I mean, you had some great performances. Uh, they put up 300 yards of offense against Pinkerton, which... And then, well, and on the flip side, that they gave up 400. Yeah. Um, you know, but they won the turnovers. I think it was 4-1 or 4-2 in turnovers uh, yeah. in Goffstown's favor. Yeah, and you had, um, you know, uh, good performances from Inalt. I mean, kind of a workman-like 8 for 16 for 170 yards. He threw three touchdown passes yeah. He's to, to three different players, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, with three different, three sophomores. Yeah. And you had Zach Picard ran uh, for almost 100 yards on 26 carries, which is, I think, for that for for I, yeah. Huff's offense, that's that's a workload for a kid. You know, <laughs> I, I don't think they're used to giving a back 26 carries. Um, but then Pinkerton had their own own highlights, right? They had uh, Jeff, I think it's pronounced Potvin. Potvin came Potvin, in, I think uh, so. Yeah, replacing yeah. a three-year starter. He w- he threw for 115 yards, two deep touchdowns looked, yeah, on vertical looked, routes down the left sideline. Looked uh, very good, I yeah, thought. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the big play of the game, though, was that fumble return um, by Goffstown. Uh, you had Brad Baxter coming almost, I think, on touch through the line. You're going to butcher this getting last to <laughs> I was going to I was going to make sure I looked it up first. You know, he, he hit hits Potvin uh, as he's handing the ball off. Yeah, that's how far into the back quickly he was in the backfield. Um, you know, he lo- loses the ball. Uh, Wilton Geisenhainer. I think I said that right. Apologies if I didn't. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that he was right there, but the ball just kind of squirted to the side, and there's no one there. And then all of a sudden, this kid Scoop comes score. flying up. Yeah. And I, I, the moment he touched it, I mean, I looked up, and I, there's nobody. I mean, it, I think there were three golf sound kids with him. Yeah, just running down the field. The yeah. Zone. Yeah. Um, like one of those plays that you don't you don't see happen often in high school football. Right. Um, but it was you know exciting to watch. Um, and then Pinkerton comes right back, throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing, and then all of a sudden they hit one 50-yard run, yep. and it's a you know a ball game again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what a what a f- you know great way to start the season with that game. Um, huge one for Goffstown because you know with that north-south matchup, I think that's the tougher two tougher conferences. Yeah. Right now, you know, going into this season, that's what it looked like. It's going to be a dogfight for teams that aren't. Bedford, Salem. I mean, basically, I would say going in, it was Bedford, Salem, and Londonderry that were going to wrap up three of those four playoff spots. I could be wrong about that. Yep. You know, but that leaves you Gosstown, Pinkerton, and Wyndham, you know, maybe, I, I don't know, fighting for that last spot. So yeah. that's a huge win. Um, oh, absolutely. The other, other game that I saw this weekend was not quite as entertaining as uh, – Maybe more at times head scratching because I was not expecting that was that Bedford's forty-one to seven win over over Wyndham. Yeah, and you were um, there while I was, was at the Milford at game, one. so you saw that. And I just I, I mean Bedford's line is just so huge compared I think to what other teams are going to have this year that you're going to see a lot of this that that maybe maybe Bedford isn't as strong at the skill positions this year, but their line is so going to be so dominant that I mean they were. Uh, the the stat that I I um, got together I don't remember if I put it in either of the stories from this week was that that Wyndham had a, I had him with 182 yards of offense they ran 65 plays 182 yards 130 of that came on three plays hmm. so that means on the other 62 plays they averaged 0.8 yards a play yeah that's that's what kind of game that was yeah um, just a, a dominating up front and I I think Wyndham's going to be fine I think they're going to be you know they've got a you know they're in the same situation as Bedford. Yes, new coach, um, some turnover. Some yeah, a lot of, of turnover. Players, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
you know, but I think, um, you know, it's kind of tough going to play the champs on their field. First game of yeah, the season. First game, new coach. So. They're excited. They want to prove something. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like it, to the point of Bedford's offensive line being um, formidable. It sounded like it was a different kind of game for Bedford, too, uh, in that it sounded like they ran the ball quite a bit. Um, they couldn't throw the ball. They yeah. struggled so much to throw the ball, and they tried to establish it, and it just they couldn't. Whatever the reason, whether it was pressure from Wyndham, um, just no, oh, you know, good coverage from yeah. Wyndham, or out of rhythm, bad, or you know, throws just a little bit off the mark. Kids dropping passes, just everything kind of went wrong in yeah. the passing game uh, for Bedford. But you yeah. know, if they can run like that, then yeah, that doesn't matter. Yeah, really. Exactly. Um, you know, some of the other big ones. Um, you know, I, the, the big matchup coming up this week, uh, you've got Londonderry and Salem playing a 10 o'clock game on Saturday in Haverhill, and they both picked up um, big wins. The Salem one was the one that kind of um, some neat stuff happened in that one. They, of course, beat Central uh, 41-0. Yeah. And, I mean, that game kind of was over, what, less than a minute in? It was, yeah. I mean, Riley Mulvey scored on the opening kickoff, I think, right? 80 yards to the house, and... Um, he had a 35-yard interception return for a touchdown. He's one of the guys, by the way, I, I referenced at the beginning of the podcast when I said, hey, you had some of these superstars oh, yeah. that yeah. just had these prolific games, right? He had uh, 34 yards on six carries, which doesn't sound like much, but given the the way the game went, you know, they were probably being pretty conservative I, with him. After and they were up, what, 14, 15, nothing, or 14, nothing a minute into the game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a, so yeah. – yeah, that's a that's a tough one. I, I it, it was thirty five nothing at half, I think, and it, it sounds like Central's young this year and replacing a lot. But oh, Central, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think they had a couple of bright spots as well. I think uh, the quarterback ended up coming around and getting into. I can't remember the young man's name, but I think he ended up getting into rhythm and having a a pretty decent shot of it. But I mean, Central was held to under a hundred yards in the first half, and um, and they didn't even get into the red zone except for one drive late in the game from what I understand. So so Salem sounds like a pretty well-rounded team yeah. again this year, you know, not to mention Josh Maroon, you know, wasn't really in the discussion. He had 82 yards uh, through a completed pass on a two-point play. <laughs> so, again, another one of these prolific, yeah. uh, you know, kind of multi-headed attacks by one of the superstars in the league. Uh, and, you know, the other team we mentioned that's playing this weekend, uh, that Salem is playing, Londonderry, has a big 48 to six win over Concord, um, you know, and they had a, a, a big game from there. Some of their bigger guys too, uh, Londonderry. I mean, yeah, Weidenfeld had two rushing touchdowns. Um, the, the stats on that one were interesting. <laughs> I was looking through the I was looking through the the article about the Londonderry game, and it had him at 19 yards, and I was like, I wonder if he did he run for 19 or was it supposed to be 119 <laughs> yards and somebody somebody fat fingered a key there on the type uh, you know on the keyboard or whatever so uh so i'm not going to comment on that one but I, i'm uh, you know whether he was limited because of the, the the way the game was going and the score and they they didn't do much with him or what have you but uh you know the new quarterback over there jake mckeckern was five of six for a very workmanlike 86 yards but three touchdowns if i'm not mistaken to three different receivers um so yeah londonderry you know, looked in, in good form. We know Concord, um, you know, had Ronan, um, I think it's pronounced uh, McGonagall, uh, yep. come, c had to come in after the... Um, oh, right, yep. The, the starter. Uh, injury in the jamboree. Yep. Right, had yep. broken his arm. I can't remember that young man's name, but he came in and accounted for 120 yards of offense 
between his legs and throwing. So maybe they're starting to get him comfortable and um, – you know, maybe there's a there's there's some silver lining there for Concord. It doesn't they, it doesn't get any easier though. They've got Bedford coming up uh, Friday night, and then I believe the week after that they are actually hosting Salem, in what was a game that was supposed to be at Haverhill, but is now at Friday night at Concord. Uh, so yeah, yeah that's, that's a, a tough, tough, tough stretch <laughs> to start with. Yep. Um, you know, and then then two other games that I want to uh, make sure we mentioned that if you had w- had me predict scores. To start out, I would have probably flipped them. You have Nashua North beating Winnicunit 35 to 8. And then further up the seacoast, you have um, Merrimack beating Spalding 33 to 28. Yeah. That one, um, that one kind of caught my eye a little bit. Spalding's much improved. So I've seen a little bit of Spalding, and um, they've made tremendous strides. Um, they ran the ball pretty effectively against Merrimack. They had. Um, uh, some special teams. I, I think they scored on a kick return, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly. Um, the quarterback, uh, Logan uh, Gadbois, I think it Gadbois or Gadbois. I'm, I'm assuming French. Gadbois. I guess yeah. I guess it depends on how <laughs> how how, fr- how close to the French Canadian the family still probably is. Yeah, exactly. He threw for 170, uh-huh. and that's a pretty athletic tomahawk secondary. That so that's that, a pretty good number. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, and, and so. Um, you know, Ryan Lane was the one that r- returned that kick for 90 yards against the Tomahawks. I mean, you know, J.J. Dyer still played great. He, there's another guy that, I, I, you know, in terms of, again, a prolific performance, he threw a touchdown pass on a jet sweep pass. He ran <laughs> wait, the ball. Wait, he was he, – they had him running like kind of a jet sweep. Oh, yeah. Hand, uh, they handed it off to the, him, let him, the, let him what, throw it. So what, the 6'5", 270-pound kid. He can move. All right, all right. <laughs> he can I, move, and he can throw. Apparently. <laughs> you know, and and um, he ran the ball. That he caught a few <laughs> passes. They had him at tight end. They had him at slot. That's one of those ones when you're lining up that the kids are probably going, wait a minute, what what does he do? Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Well, he's throwing a, he's throwing a pass. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, he was great on defense. I mean, um, Spalding tried testing him a little early with some power game out of the eye, and they just couldn't move him. I mean, he's just, he was just <laughs> immovable. So... Um, and then the other game, you know, Nashua North, um, all over the, you know, the Warriors who, as we, you know, we talked about in the preseason, just kind of decimated by graduation Rebuilding. the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Curtis Harris with a huge game. Um, was it Xavier Provost with a, a big game, too? I believe he had a kickoff yep. return for a touchdown. Um, so that kind of sets up, I think, an interesting matchup Friday that I'm, I'm actually going to go to. Um, I say that as if, oh, you should be surprised. No, I'm, I do, I'm going go to go to this game. It's, yeah. it, was, it was kind of a last-minute thing because I really didn't. Friday's schedule is kind of light. Yeah. Um, but Spalding is coming out to Stelos to play Nashua North on Friday. Um, I'm really curious to see what that game looks like because I kind of thought Merrimack and North were kind of close to each other in terms of, you know. Yeah, what they had what coming they had. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, where they were going to finish. Yep. Um, and if Spalding's giving Merrimack that good of – I don't know, of course, you're going on the road – Traveling, I think, and I think the last time Spalding came to Stellos, they gave up something like seventy points to Nashua South a couple uh, of years yeah, ago. I don't even remember when that um, would have been. Yeah, and you know, and this I think will be the first time I've covered a Spalding football game um, since twenty thirteen. Actually, oh. the first game of the season, Nashua South played out there, and when I was still at the Telegraph, I think they had me drive out, out to there? Rochester for that. Yeah, um, that was, I think yeah, Trevor Knight was still the quarterback at South. Um, so and that should also probably make some Spalding fans feel pretty good because that w- that team was pretty competitive, 
they ended up making the playoffs that year. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm not saying, but I'm, I'm saying I, I saw a Spalding <laughs> game that year. Well, you're going to see, see another one, this one soon. Yeah, right, so maybe right. that maybe that means playoffs. Hey, before we get off a of D1, and I know we've spent a bunch of time there, but we would be we would be um, drawn and quartered and keel hauled <laughs> if we didn't mention Memorial 14, right, yeah. Timberlane 7. First win in, I think, five, four or five years. Yeah. It's been a while. It was a drought. Um, and they had to hang on, I think, at the end of that one. I think Timberlane had a chance to win late and uh, and, and wasn't able to. So yeah. congrats, congrats to Memorial. Absolutely. That's Great story there. The, I know? think the, the, the big story was uh, the two key turnovers. Sebastian Botello recovered a fumble. Dennis Coley uh, had a pick. And, I mean, anytime you're in a game that that's tight – and you and you buy yourself two additional possessions. Hey, hats off to the defense over there at Memorial. Yeah. Nice job. Um, oh, I just forgot. Oh, Memorial this week. They've got a uh, a big one coming up. They are hosting Pinkerton, I believe, oh. uh, Friday night. So they are actually going into that game with a better record than than Pinkerton. Yeah. Which kind of you know reminds me of a question you asked me over the weekend that you said you had been asked. Of you know, with Pinkerton losing to Goffstown, Plymouth, of course. Well, a good way to segue into our Division Two talk. Yeah. Plymouth having its uh, 27 game winning streak snapped by Bo in an 8 7 loss. Um, when you asked me when was the last time that Pinkerton, Pinkerton and, and Plymouth, Plymouth lost both on lost same on the day. same day, and I thought, wow, that's man, that 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 probably goes back a while, but it actually doesn't. Question it submitted by Rick Erda from Milford, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it actually only goes back to um, the game before Plymouth's streak started. Plymouth, of course, in 2016 lost, uh, I want to say it was week seven and week eight in back-to-back games to John Stark and then to Lebanon mm. before they beat Milford in the finale and then started on that run. Yep. Um, Pinkerton also lost in both of those weeks in 2016. So the last three times that Plymouth has had a loss, Pinkerton has also lost. Wow. So if That's I'm very maybe maybe Coach O'Reilly should call Coach Sanborn and say stop losing. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> it's bad for us. Yeah, yeah. Huh. That's very interesting. I very yeah. I thought that was really kind of weird. Yeah. Um, the other thing that since we before we move off of uh, of D1, um, probably worth mentioning, even though he, he's going to hate it. Uh, Justin Huff, Goffstown head coach, is now six and one all time in head-to-head matchups with. Brian O'Reilly at Pinkerton and Bill Ball at Exeter. By the way, Brian O'Reilly and Bill Ball, I think the only two coaches in the state remaining that were coaching when I played. <laughs> not, I, I, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not, yeah, I just mean like I, I played in games that were coached by both of those guys uh, when they were at Exeter and Pinkerton when I was a player. So, so yeah, that's, um, you're beating a lot of experience up when you go yeah. do that. Um, so as, as I mentioned, uh, Bo kind of, um, I don't want to say gets the monkey off his back, but I guess they kind of do. It's yeah. first, first time in six meetings, um, or, or now Bo is now one and five in their six meetings with Plymouth. All of those, by the way, in the last three plus years um, since you know Bo moved into Division Two, um, you know lost to him twice in the championship game in sixteen and seventeen. So I mean that's a that's a huge win for them. Um, you know, and it it, it kind of makes me think that that Bo is maybe even more legit than. We might have thought because I think Plymouth's only touchdown came because Bo fumbled a ball yeah. on a pitch and it went back into the end zone. That's correct. Plymouth did not score an offensive touchdown. It was a it was a it was a fumbled exchange off a off a pitch backed way up in a in your own territory kind of thing. And I think uh, I think Ian Trider fell on that in the end zone, and um, that that was the only points. I mean, that's just um, you know to to hold 
you know, regardless of what Plymouth has coming back, I mean, they're, you know, a well-coached team. They reload every year. Um, not many rebuilding years up there. You know, for to hold that offense scoreless is well, know, uh, quite a feat. That. Think about this disparity. Bo ran 57 offensive plays. Plymouth ran 29. Wow. And Coach Sanborn had said to the media, that's okay, what we yeah, do to other see teams. That, yes. Right? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's our game. They, they you know, they kind of – they kind of took our template and used it again. I mean, not that that's not what Bo's template hasn't been either for years, right, but, you yeah. know, um, Coach Sam kind of said, now I know that, how yeah. it feels. Yeah, <laughs> not many teams do that to Plymouth. No. Um, the game you were at sounded like it uh, early on was a bit of a blowout, and then Hollis made things interesting. Uh, it was, what, a 35-21 win for Milford? Yeah, it was 35-21. It, it, it may not have been quite as close as the score sounds, though. I mean, um, you know, in the – you know, we had talked last week about, you know, I had, uh, or maybe it was two weeks ago, where I said, hey, Gavin Erta might be the best quarterback in Division Two, And you were like, whoa, 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 what about Sander Wimmer? Well, week one matchup, uh, you know, um, all respect to, to Kyle Gora, too, who's also one of the best quarterbacks in the division, probably. But uh, but um, Gavin Erta, 320 yards, three rushing touchdowns, two interceptions. One was in the end zone uh, as, uh, you know, uh, there was a, an exchange down in Milford's end, a couple turnover, you know, a turnover back and forth kind of thing. But, I mean, you know, the, the Gavin Erta performance, uh, touchdown runs of 70, 45, 65 yards. You said 321 rushing yards or just total 320 yards. rushing yards. That's – Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rushing it reminded me of the the huge performances that you'd see sometimes um uh have connor benjamin from mm -hmm. Goffstown yeah. from back in like 2010 2011 that yeah. time frame where you know Goffstown would be playing a team that just wasn't prepared for for that oh, level of kid right and he would just every time he touched the ball he was gone and that's what erda looked like i mean he was just there was one point, I think I tweeted this this stat, if you went back to the uh, opening whistle of Milford's Jamboree scrimmage against uh, uh, Central, which we know doesn't count for right. anything, but yeah. there was one point where Erda did not have a carry that wasn't for a touchdown. It was five carries, five, five touchdowns. touchdowns. Oh, that's ri <laughs> that, so is, that is ridiculous. I have a feeling that if Division Two doesn't figure out how to stop him, uh, and then you still have to worry about Junior Ugu, and and who, who rushed for you got to deal with yards. that line too. I mean, they've got a big line that that a lot of returning kids on that yeah. up there. So I mean, that's, I mean, that's half the battle. I mean, yeah. you can have a quarterback that can run all over the field, but if you don't have anybody to block for him, right, you're in trouble. And they've got some some solid kids up front. And you could think that their Achilles' heel might be their pass defense because um, Hollis did have some things going in the passing game. But my argument there would be, but. Sander Wimmer's really good. I mean, he was throwing BBs all over the place. Um, and, you know, it was unfortunately it was too little too late, but he was able to hit Blake Bergerson for a couple of great passes. Um, you know, he scrambled a few times for, you know, some was design runs, some of it was just, you know, he was getting away from pressure, but he's still a great player. But, you know, Milford still did a good job on the passing game, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they're, they, they have a lot of weaknesses right now. Uh, of course, Milford gets uh, to go to Manchester West this week, which beat Sanborn 23-7 in its opener. Yep. Um, Hollis will host Hanover in um, – yeah, I'm not too sure what to expect from that game yeah. because you get Hanover getting blanked 35 nothing by Kennett. Um, from what I read, they'd only dre they dressed less than few – fewer fewer than 30 kids. Um, so I'm they really curious to see what they bring to Hollis this week. Yeah. Um, 
you know, maybe but the other um, kind of big game of the weekend, you had Sauhegan going out to St. Thomas and winning 34-25. Yep. Um, Again, there's ha- Luke Manning, another yeah, one yeah, of these kids yeah. that he's throwing passes, he's catching passes, he's scoring touchdowns, he's rushing for whatever he rushed for. I think he uh, 80 yards, I think. I mean, there's another one of these prolific superstars in the making here that just does everything, apparently. Um, yeah, they play Conval this week, which got its first win, beating Kingswood 21-17. Yep. I feel like that's a match. I, for whatever reason, those two teams have crossed over, Kingswood and, and Conval, and Conval picks up a win in that game every year, it feels like. Yeah, and uh, both programs have struggled recently, yeah, too, but yeah, uh, yeah Conval's kind of had their number, and yeah. good for Conval. You know, they've gone through some coaching changes that have been tough on them, I'm sure. So yeah. They get... Um, they go to Sauhegan this week. Yep. Hope um, for Gus game, by the way, which yeah. is always a big event in Amherst. Mm-hmm. Um, Alvern comes out with a, a surprising kind of win against Pelham. Defensive um, battle. It was scoreless at halftime, yeah. which is actually, I think, was the case last year when they these two teams opened um, in the regular season. I could be wrong about that, but I think that was the case. But 15 nothing, yeah, um, kind of tells me that that you know either you know Alvern isn't quite yeah hasn't where we thought they were, yet. or Pelham's defense is pretty good. Pelham held Alvern to 30 yards in the first half, but Alvern, you know, held Pelham to five rushing yards. And Pelham's <laughs> built to run. I mean, they threw the ball okay, it sounded like, but uh, Kyle Gora ended the night kind of quiet night, 6 of 12 for under 100 yards. Um, it's not what you were used to seeing at the end of the year last year, but he's got that same cast around him. So, yeah, yeah maybe Pelham's defense is, is, is uh, geared up and ready to play. I mean, that's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, John Stark picking up a 29-12 win over Merrimack Valley. Um, they play Plymouth this week. The host, Pl- John Stark does, I mean, uh, hosts Plymouth. Merrimack Valley goes and, and uh, is going to Guilford Belmont, which beat Pembroke 40 to nothing. Yeah, Guilford Belmont, I think, is much improved. Much improved. I think they're a team that's going to make the playoffs or be in contention for a playoff spot this year. Yeah. So kind of, um, you know, some s- the games that I, we thought were toss-ups were close. Um you know, the games that we thought were going to be one team was a little bit better than the other. You know, th- th- those teams came out on top. So, you know, not too not too many surprises in Division Two this week. I, you know, this week, or I should say last week, this week coming up, um, yeah, I'm really curious to see what that Hanover-Hollis-Brookline game is, is like. I will be out at that one on Saturday. Yeah. I have a feeling that Hanover might be down this year. And um, Hollis-Brookline, again, that score might, and even the game might have been lopsided, but they, they're, they're a good football team. Um, they're going to do some damage. I don't think you can say, oh, yeah, well, they got blown out by Milford. Of course, if Milford's that good. If Hollis continues, you know, if they're still playing defense the way they play defense in the past when I've seen them, you know, giving up uh, some points to a couple of teams, and maybe it might be a, might be a little more interesting yeah, than, than we might be. figure. Uh, we just don't know enough about uh, Hanover or, or, or um, Kennett yet to, to right. be able to say, yeah. hey, yeah. you know, that's the deal. Uh, Division three, I, you know, there was n- weren't too many surprises uh, at all, and a lot of lopsided. Lot of, I, all of them were. Yeah. Um, you know, you got Monadnock beating Interlakes forty six six, Hillsborough during Hopkinton forty three six over Laconia. Did you see the stats on that one? I did not. Why don't you tell S- me some stats Col- from that Col- one? Colby Quiet. Uh, so there were some banged up guys, from my understanding. Uh, the, the the starting tight end uh, Horn was down. A couple of the linemen were reshuffled. They were trying to fill some holes. Colby Quiet, 334 yards of total offense, six touchdowns. 
210 rushing on 10 carries. Wow. Kick return for 90 yards. Wow. 10 tackles <laughs> on D. So maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe they could line me and you up at guard and tackle out there, and as long as quiet's behind us, he's <laughs> they're going to be all right. And that's against Laconia. You know, I mean, Laconia is always a competitive team. Always. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that is – those are quite – Six touchdowns. Those are some numbers. Yeah. Um. Yeah, hopefully – I mean, you've got – hopefully some of those – there's a little bit more, you know, maybe chalk up some of that to early in the season and, you know, we'll see a little bit more coming up this week. I mean, none of the other games were, were that much closer either. And of course, um, no, you know, Keegan Mills had a big game. He had for 100 Campbell, yards. He, they won 30 nothing over Summersworth. Yeah, he had 100 yards before the first half was over. Um, you know, Hillsborough Deering gets um, inner lakes at home this week. Yep. So that could be another... Um, Another rough game for Interlakes. Could be, yeah. Um, you had Trinity beating Kearsarge, Mountain Royal, 47 nothing. Stevens, 48-20 over Epic Newmarket. Um, you know, and, and, and D4 wasn't uh, wasn't really that much different. You know, Raymond beats Fall Mountain, 31-7. Muscoma Valley beats Franklin, 46-14. Bishop Brady, 50-22 over Newfound. And, and Winnesquam Farming New, um, Winnesquam wins 56-24. Yeah. You I know, and... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say a couple of those. I mean, you look at the the two teams. So Winnesquam, of course, the defending champ there. But then you look at the two teams that were kind of, you know, in contention as you know one B. Of course, Franklin ended up making the championship game. Yeah. Franklin and Newfound, both on the losing end to teams that I think won one or two games last year. Yeah. So maybe maybe D four will be a little bit topsy-turvy from what we expected and what it was a year ago yeah i think franklin turned over a lot of kids from that team last year so they're young i think they have some athletes that um you know they're new to football but they're good athletes so they're still kind of getting their feet underneath them and um muscoma for example i mean i think they brought back a lot of kids they've got a, they, they've got a lot of um they, they've got some good depth on their team this year same with bishop brady i believe you know looking over there you know their roster and what was back i think it was the same thing was a lot of kids but just doing that to, i mean newfound was a team that i i thought was going to be com, you know in the, in a mix for playoffs and they still could be yeah um but There's a lot of ball to be played yeah that's a that's a tough tough loss to take first week of the season yeah well even fall mountain had a lot of kids back but yep. you know yeah. raymond uh raymond obviously the real deal as well and the the big game, Fall Mountain doesn't get any easier for them. They go and play Winnesquam, you know, this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's um, a lot of good games. And where do you think you'll end up? A- any thoughts on where you'll end up this weekend? You know, I don't know. I haven't. Um, I haven't been able to get out of my own way to to look at it yet. You said it was kind of a light Friday schedule. It, it is huh? a very. It, it's a light schedule and also kind of a an odd one in terms of where. You know, I, I feel like in D1, all of the games are, are on this side of the state. There's yeah. like one Seacoast game. Um, you know, you've got, I think, what, four D three or four D1 games on Saturday. Yeah. Um, you know, a bunch of the D2 games are also on Saturday. All of D4 is. And at weird times, some of them. Some of them, yeah, 10 ten, two, starts, two yeah. 10 a.m. games. You've got Londonderry and Salem at 10 a.m., Goffstown at Wyndham at 10 a.m., and, uh, you know, God bless both of them, but I found someone to go to each of those games. Yeah, I was going to say, so I'm not going to be anywhere at 10 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I might go over the jungle on Friday night. The Hope for Gus game is always kind of a big yeah. deal. And, uh, you know, when I was at the Milford game last week, I, 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 I sat with uh, Mike Bellevue and Robin Boquette. 
they were there scouting. And, uh, and I, w- I thought that was kind of cool. It was like, hey, do you guys realize this is three generations of, of coaches and spanning almost 25 years? And uh, so we had, a good, we had a good laugh about that and, and hung out and watched some games. So maybe I'll, go, maybe I'll go over to the jungle and see how they're doing. I mean, that could be I, – I don't know how much, you know, con- I mean, getting a win is a win. Yeah. But, and I don't know. You know, it sounds like Conval might be a little bit better than they have been. That could be a much more interesting game. And if you recall, it was a tight game last year. I think Sauhegan pulled out that win by a touchdown. I think it was, yeah. a, it was a low-scoring, tight game, you know, whether it was 14-7 or 21-14 or something. But it was a tight game. Mm-hmm. All right. Any final thoughts before we wrap up for the week? No, I don't think so. I think we've yapped enough probably. <laughs> 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 the listeners yeah. might be feeling the same uh, way. <laughs> uh, he is Mike Lockman. Mike, thanks again for joining me. Absolutely. I am Joe Marcellina. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.